This is the second story. Alex Bonner brings us on a beautiful journey of false identity, ghost towns, and finding the courage to be your true self. Alex is a writer living in Chicago. He is a co-founder of Bailout Productions and has twice been crowned the champion of the Windy City Story Slam. He has told for Second Story since 2010. This story was performed live at Chicago's Underground Wonder Bar on June 30th. The theme of the night was Sympathy for the Devil, Stories from My Other Self. Please welcome to the microphone, Mr. Alex Bonner. Finally, I found myself working a job I didn't like, living with a girl I didn't love, and staying in a neighborhood that felt eerily quiet and spookily disconcerting. Sorry, Rogers Park. I had this uh, overwhelming boredom that morphed into depression. I would wander at night. I would just get on the train and get off at a random stop and walk. Sometimes late at night, I would even howl at the sky. Other times, I would listen to tapes on an old Walkman of my grandfather, tapes he had recorded for my mother, ruminating on his life before he died, his salt-of-the-earth ass atheist saying something along the lines of, you know there ain't shit when you die, right? (laughs) While I walked, though, I caught myself watching the neighborhoods, dissecting them into integral parts, noticing the differences in clothes and backgrounds of the people and speech patterns and body signals, realizing which parts of my personality would work in this environment and which wouldn't. It was just a game that I played in my head. And I never told anyone that I was doing this. I just told people that I was at work. And in my mind, somehow, that didn't seem like a lie. I was working, wasn't I? Finally, I started to play the game a little further. I would walk into bars that I'd never been to, have one drink, and listen to conversations. Just the idea that what I was doing, playing spy, was so against the idea of rational society, yet here I was, undetectably doing it, it made my adrenaline glands start to hum. The boredom lifted itself like a satin curtain, and behind was this wonderful stage play where I was the star. I started laughing to myself at the bar like a nutball. The bartender asked me what was so funny. I said, everything. So I started actively engaging myself in places that the real me would never go. That was the first rule. There was a real me with real friends and real interests and a real past, but that person was not who I wanted to choose in the arcade game that I was creating with my own life. One bar, one night, in a different neighborhood, and no cheating on my girlfriend. Hoods where none of my rock and roll Northwest Side friends would be caught dead and intricate disguises so they might not even recognize me. In Wrigleyville, I would stroll into bars in nautica polos, baseball caps, jeans, and loafers and walk with a gait. There, the accent had to be Midwestern suburban like a frat boy newscaster. (laughs) In Lincoln Park, it would be hoodies and khakis, gelled hair and nice sneakers, a soft Ohio drawl and Hugo Boss cologne to fade into the smell of the bars. River North got a tie but no coat and a subtle Chicago accent. Basically, yes, I was playing dress up. Before I knew it, though, I was shooting pool with regulars and talking about Michigan State football. I was telling people that I was raised in a high-security military installation, that I was the only former white track star in the Bahamas, that I had (laughs) failed out of West Point, really, really anything, just to see how it would go over. 
Sometimes people would call bullshit, and I would laugh and just say something like a vaguer lie, like, yeah, I grew up in the burbs, and I work at Starbucks there. That led to the second rule. My name always had to be Alex Bonner, because that was a clear line. I was a tourist in these worlds, not a usurper. A fake name meant you were openly deceiving, that I was an imposter and possibly a psychopath. But if I was just me, and just a bullshitter, and you believed my outlandish claims, then you were the sucker, and hey man, I'm just pulling your chain. And people would tell me like the craziest shit just because I was listening and they didn't exactly know me. Girlfriends would agonize over their cheating boyfriends they brought with them from college. The boyfriends would lament the end of their youth and how suburban futures felt like prison, then recant when the girlfriend heard them. Economics majors would hint at the coming collapses. Former army grunts would open up about terrifying firefights outside Kandahar. And once, a handsome young black cop actually cried to me about 10 beers deep about how he hated arresting people from his old neighborhood for things he didn't feel were wrong. Then, I would change on the train, go home, and smile at myself in the mirror like an asshole while my girlfriend putting her red lipstick on next to me would complain about how much she hated Wrigleyville goons. The magician hidden inside of me loved glamouring and getting away with it to the point where I looked forward to the once or twice a month that I did it. Even my relationship with my girlfriend got better because even though I felt romantically disconnected, she was still my friend and the real me felt stronger and more powerful. Then I met Nate. I'd seen him around occasionally as a kind of unique looking guy in the city but had never thought much of it. He had a round, good-looking face with giant brown eyes, these thin, arched eyebrows, and a somehow suiting pot belly. He reminded me of Jack Black, if Jack Black had a waxed mustache. I was pissing at the urinal at a bar in Lakeview when he came up to the stall next to me. He said, I know who you are. Oh yeah, who's that? And I'm not going to forget this. A mask. I didn't say anything. He just smiled his big Cheshire grin at me and said, it's cool, man. So am I. After that, we started teaming up. <laughs> Two-man groups could go to crazier places and get away with ballsier things. We could go to the Hancock Tower Bar and tell people that we were in the National Shakespeare Company, and Nate would quote whole passages of The Tempest, and they would buy us drinks. <laughs> we could go to Rush Street. We could get in with entourages of bottle services because somehow Nate had learned secret passwords and handshakes for elite East Coast frats. We could go to hotel bars in the loop with board of trade vests Nate had scored and talk up the pretty middle-aged women on business trips. But always, when the time came for them to slide a key card to Nate or invite us back to their place for more drinks, I would duck out, but Nate wouldn't. And even though I liked the guy, I knew that I was just a sheep in wolf's clothes, excited by the idea of the chase and the trick. But Nate, he was a wolf. A shiny, hilarious, smiling wolf that wanted prey, and he was a thousand times better than I was. He lived with no rules, and because of that, I made up just as much to Nate as I did to anybody else. Sometimes we would talk shop at late-night diners, almost daring the other with semi-true but slightly skewed versions of our past while we smoked cigarettes and saw who could do the best East London accent, the best Florida accent, the best tricks of being human shadow puppets. With Nate, the adrenaline was higher than ever, but so were the stakes, because I was just breaking into the museum at night to walk around. He was there to smash things. One night, I was on the red line, and a balding, thin man in a long tan coat and suit got on out of the rain. He sat next to me, 
He was reading a magazine about model trains. The magazine struck me as odd because it was very old. He turned and smiled at me as the train crossed over cemeteries towards uptown. He asked me, you remember when the train used to stop further back and divert up ahead? I somehow did remember that even though I couldn't say how. He laughed and said, you must be a very old soul because that was a long time ago. We talked a bit about model trains and then I stared back out the window. A bit later, I turned back to ask him something and he was gone, vanished. I stared at the reflection of myself in the windows of the train. My eyes were all black in the shadowy mirror image. I got off, got on the reverse bound and went home. That night I told my girlfriend that I wasn't in love with her and that I was sorry, but it was the truth. I stopped shape-shifting, took off my disguises and hid them. I moved back to the northwest side where I still live as myself and no one else. <laughs> During the blizzpocalypse, me and my roommate trudged through the sandstorm to the two-way and Nate was at the bar. I hadn't seen him in years. His face was nothing like it once had been. The left socket had healed too open and grotesque from where it had been obviously crushed and his teeth were chipped in a few places. The power was out in the bar, but the owner put out candles and told everybody they were now allowed to smoke without fear of the health inspector. There was a cheer. I bought my old friend a beer. The candlelight swam in and out of his busted eye socket. I didn't, I didn't even ask what happened. He just went into it. Everybody used to lie to themselves during the Bush administration so much, it was easy just to slide into the lie. You can only fuck so many guys' wives before one of their husbands hunts you down and beats the shit out of you. We waxed nostalgic for a while. Then, as he was putting on his scarf to leave, he asked me why I took off the mask. I said, I saw a ghost. He nodded and said, that's good. People might actually believe that. Yeah, yeah, they might. Then he stepped out into the wind and disappeared into the swirling snow as thunder rolled overhead. Thanks, guys. That was Alex Bonner. If his story gives you ideas for your own second story, we'd love to hear them. Join us on July 21st at Theater on the Link, or visit us at our website at secondstory.com. Second Story Podcast is brought to you by Amanda Diamond, Bobby Badrisky, Megan Steelstra, Sherry Pentamone, Eric Hazen, Danielle Ezel, and myself. I'm Ozzie Totten, and thanks for listening.